Bonnie, how about this next lady, the special ed first grade teacher? So she's in her mid-50s, a first grade teacher who presented with an abnormal mammogram. And to make a long story short, she had a biopsy. It was positive. She went to the operating room and had a T2N1 ERPR negative HER2 positive breast cancer. She had a sentinel lymph node. The first lymph node was positive. She went on to have an axillary node dissection with no additional disease, and she was sent to me for consideration of adjuvant therapy. Now, interestingly, she had not had any additional staging when I met her. In our first visit, we spent the bulk of our time talking about adjuvant therapy, but also that she would need staging scans, and she had a PET-CT And to everybody's surprise, she had widespread metastatic disease. Now, in fact, when we met her today, she came in with her sister who reminded us that she had absolutely no symptoms when I met her. She also had a completely normal chemistry panel and a normal tumor marker. And yet her PET-CT showed supraclavicular and mediastinal lymph nodes as well as multiple liver lesions. Now, the liver lesion was biopsied and confirmed, indeed, ERPR negative HER2 positive disease, but those first few visits were uncomfortable because I needed to backtrack. I went way out on a limb discussing adjuvant therapy. You would need a port. This is how many cycles. You know, what are we going to do with your school? And then by our second visit, when she came in, I had to take most of that back. I also had to explain why I wasn't going to treat her with chemotherapy. And that was a, I remember that was a dilemma because she thought, well, if my disease is even worse, and yet you're giving me less, I'm not following this. So what were your thoughts at that point in terms of how you were going to approach her? Well, she had ERPR negative disease, so we didn't have the option of treating her with hormonal therapy. She received TCH in the metastatic setting and had an excellent response about halfway through, actually earlier, just a few months into her maintenance trastuzumab, her scans were now showing remission and she was doing well. So she had an excellent response and was on her maintenance trastuzumab when she presented to the emergency room with impaired speech. And unfortunately, she had multiple brain metastasis. She received whole brain radiation and she continued on trastuzumab And now it's two years later, and she still is on maintenance trastuzumab and doing well having serial MRIs of her brain. Beth, any comments about her case and also the issue of CNS disease and HER2-positive disease? I saw a paper, I think it was at San Antonio, looking at this from the adjuvant trials. And even though it was, you know, sort of elevated, it wasn't like gigantic. I think it was like a couple percent or something. What do we know today about this problem and what are some of the new ideas out there in terms of management? So I think the data still supports the fact that in HER2 positive disease, they have a higher propensity for developing CNS mets. I don't believe that we feel it's as high as in the triple negative setting, to be frank with you, but more common than the ER positive, certainly not so high that we would incorporate screening as part of our usual approach to these patients. It also seems, whether it's because of our systemic therapy or not, but it does seem that the HER2-positive CNS metastases seem to have a more indolent course compared to, for example, the triple-negative CNS disease. So that being said, the question is, what else can we do besides radiation? And we are developing a lot of newer therapies. Neratinib, as you know, is sort of this pan-HER2 tyrosine kinase inhibitor. 
And that's being studied extensively to treat CNS metastasis as a single agent as well as in combination with capecitabine. So these small molecule inhibitors with chemotherapy along the same lines as what we have found with lapatinib and capecitabine as being efficacious. And then the second is ARRAY, ARI380, which is also a HER2 targeting agent, but it targets the tyrosine kinase. And that's being investigated now in combination with trastuzumab for CNS METs. So I think that with the HER2 positive disease, we're really focusing on seeing whether systemic therapy also adds in terms of an advantage to treat CNS METs. There's also actually investigation in using trastuzumab intrathecally for leptomeningeal involvement. So we're really exploring a lot more of the systemic treatment of CNS disease and HER2-positive disease than the other subtypes. So what would you be thinking about in the event that this lady has systemic disease progression in terms of her next therapy? So it depends upon her ability to get on clinical trials. You know, she always has the option of stereotactic radiotherapy, but the clinical trials open and close. And so my approach is if she has small volume disease, small volume progression, if I'm able to get her on a study with systemic treatment of her CNS disease, I would prefer to do that because I can always fall back on the stereotactic radiotherapy. What about for her systemic disease? She has liver mets, correct? No, she's in remission now. Oh, she's in CR from all that. Yeah. And so one question I would have is, so, you know, I think it's unfortunately not a matter of if, but when she recurs. And if she recurs just in her CNS or if she recurs systemically, so she's sitting on maintenance trastuzumab, and when she recurs next year with, let's say, small volume disease has a good performance status, but she recurs with a liver lesion or some lung nodules, would I put her on TDM1? This is a great question. Without progression of her CNS disease, if she only has progression of her systemic disease, my approach would be to use some type of therapy that's not necessarily directed to her CNS disease. So using something like TDM1 sounds perfect, or even just using venerobine with trastuzumab or paclitaxel with trastuzumab or some other chemotherapy with trastuzumab. There's no data that says that if you give these patients, for example, lapatinib or lapatinib and capecitabine, that you're going to delay their CNS progression. So I would hold those therapies until her CNS disease progresses because, you know, again, it's hopefully going to take care of the distant visceral metastasis, but also treat the CNS disease. Would we, realizing that when she first came to me, she had a fair amount of tumor burden, multiple visceral metastasis, and has had such a dramatic response systemically and has done well for now years. If she recurs two years from now, four years, and I give her TDM1, is it likely that she could be maintained on TDM1? You can. The clinical trials, the older clinical trials, actually kept these patients on for years until they progressed. So the difficult thing with TDM1, however, is really the myelosuppression. So it may be that you're going to give her TDM1 as you did this time until she has a tumor response that you feel comfortable with and then switch her back to trastuzumab for maintenance, which is also an option.